Thanks, as always, for downloading, streaming, listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Whether this is your first time, whether this is your 136th time, the podcast stays alive, stays free. Our entire back catalog stays free, all thanks to you and a couple things that you can do to support this show and to keep it alive and to keep it at the quality that it's at, if not higher, is to make sure you're subscribed. If you're using iTunes, please hit that subscribe button. That way you don't even have to think about it. The podcast will come to you every week. Leave a five-star rating and a review for the podcast. I, it, it's, it helps in more ways than it should. It is, it is oddly important that you do this if you support Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And of course, if you want to help keep the podcast free, keep the guests uh, uh, as good as they are, keep the back catalog free, then uh, if you're going to shop at Amazon, use notsam.com slash Amazon. Go into your URL and instead of typing Amazon.com, write notsam.com slash Amazon. Same price on everything, same Amazon website, same everything, except a small portion of what you were going to spend at Amazon anyway will kick back to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Now let's start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Woo! Happy Confifi, everybody. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Hope everybody had an amazing Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I know I did. Lots of fun, lots of fun, and we're headed in to a fun time for wrestling. We're, we're leading up towards SummerSlam, which is when it really starts to get good. Right now, is generally speaking, probably uh, uh, right after WrestleMania, the months of April and May are generally speaking times that are, are, are rebuilding times, sometimes dead spots in the world of, of sports entertainment and of pro wrestling. But, and in my mind, it's it's a good gauge of how things are, meaning you almost expect things to be not as good as they were during this period, but if they're not horrible, that means hopefully the months that come after these are going to be amazing. So I'm pretty satisfied with where we're at, but uh, I'll talk specifically about what I thought of the shows this week. Raw specifically. I tweeted about it earlier this week at Not Sam that I was looking forward to breaking down Raw this week on the podcast. Um, and not necessarily, look, the reason we do the show is because I'm a wrestling fan and I like to talk to you guys, who I think most of which are giant wrestling fans that like the show, that are that, that we talk about why we're watching, not why we wish we weren't watching or whatever other weird reasons people have to complain about stuff. That said, you do have to be honest, and I thought uh, Monday Night Raw specifically this week had a wide range in terms of quality segments, and we'll talk about all of it, and maybe, you know, things that could have been done differently, and things that I thought were done really, really well. That's all coming up. I also have a pretty exciting announcement to make about the weekend, which I'm sure you can guess what it is. But that announcement is coming right after this week's interview uh, and before State of Wrestling. Uh, now let's talk about this week's interview. This week's interview, uh, you know, we talked to a lot of WWE superstars here on the podcast, but there's news that breaks throughout the wrestling world, sometimes outside of WWE, believe it or not. And some of the news that broke, the, the, some of the biggest news 
in in recent memory outside of WWE was uh, another changing of the guard in the Bullet Club. Of course, the Bullet Club has become, I believe, the biggest non-WWE entity in the world of pro wrestling in terms of being cool. The Bullet Club has the cool factor, which I know that you try to measure it in dollars, you try to measure it in tickets. The cool factor at the end of the day is valuable. The cool factor means a lot. The cool factor generally translates into general buzz. It's, it's these words that are kind of unquantifiable, but you know it when you see it, and it's still there for the Bullet Club. The fact that the Bullet Club had this, this cool thing going for it when it was, you know, Gallows, Anderson, and Prince Devitt in New Japan, and they lose all those guys, but you end up with a group that looks like AJ Styles and the Young Bucks, and you lose AJ Styles. But you end up with a group that's now Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. And Cody Rhodes joins. And, and you know, of course, uh, Tamatanga and everybody in New Japan. You're going, okay, there's something here. And the idea that it's still managed to maintain its coolness is kind of amazing. If you go back, and this is probably like two years ago at this point. If you go back to episode, I think maybe even episode 10. It was one of the really early episodes. And that's why we try to leave the back catalog open. One of the really early episodes of this podcast, I interviewed Carl Anderson. This was before WWE talk was even happening. This was when the Bullet Club was on fire with New Japan, and it was the original lineup. And he talked about the fact that the Bullet Club was something that that was bigger than a simple faction, and something that that translated, it transcended, you know, and and. I think in, in, in interviews that followed up and in interviews with the, with the Bucks here on the podcast, we, we've talked about how subsects of the Bullet Club end up in NXT, end up in WWE, remain in New Japan, show up in Ring of Honor. And it's one of those things that whether you call it the Balor Club, whether you call it the Good Brothers, whatever you call it, it's felt throughout the industry. And that, that Bullet Club name, when you really identify yourself with it, tends to do that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Adam Cole was thrown out of the Bullet Club via double super kick, and Marty Scarl was entered in. And we talked about uh, the way he was entered in and how it was great uh, live. It was a great live moment uh, at Ring of Honor's last pay-per-view. Uh, but what I didn't talk about was I got to sit down and talk to Marty Scarl for the first time uh, a couple of hours before that event happened. That was on a Friday evening, that Friday afternoon. Uh, Marty Scurll and I got a chance to get to know each other a little bit. I've talked about him on the podcast a bunch in the past, uh, especially in the past few months. But to me, Marty Scurll is one of these guys who you have to have your eye on in terms of stuff going on in the independents. Uh, I think that the stuff that this guy does in America is only going to start expanding. Uh, I, you know, the fact that he was missing from the WWE UK tournament is something worth noting at least, whether it's a positive or a negative, and we talk about that in the interview. But the impact that he made, so he shows up in uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla first. That was the first major American thing that he did. Um, and and he ends up eventually winning the Battle of Los Angeles, BOLA. And just his demeanor, he's, he's, he's caught on to something which... A lot of people tend to think is a little bit done in wrestling, and it really isn't, and I don't think it ever will be. And that's the idea that a strong character 
will always resonate with fans. And you talk about the cool factor. The cool factor is something that the villain, Marty Skrull, possesses right now. And he's in this moment where whether the offers are pouring in or not, on some level, I hope, because from an outsider's perspective, what I feel like is he's kind of got the world on a string at the moment, meaning everybody knows who he is. Everybody's got to be looking at him as if he's the guy. You know, I think he's in a position similar to what Adam Cole was in years ago. And Adam Cole now, I don't know where he ends up. We didn't end up seeing him backlash weekend on the takeover show or the backlash pay-per-view. So I don't know exactly what happens with Adam Cole, but Marty Scarl sooner than later is going to get to this place where he makes one of those decisions and wherever he goes, he's going to make a splash. I would say make an impact, but people would think I was making a pun as if I knew he was going to TNA, which I would not only do I not know, I, I would hope that neither Adam Cole nor Marty Scarl would end up in impact wrestling but that's besides the point um i i've been wanting to talk to him for a while and i got the chance to sit down with him just hours before he joined the bullet club um this is how our interview went this week on sam roberts wrestling podcast it's marty skrull and now the sam roberts wrestling podcast interview well a much uh a much requested guest, I think, if you if you read Twitter, and you, I do you, read Twitter. You think if you read Twitter, if you if you believe Twitter, and I do, <laughs> a much requested guest is finally here. Uh, the villain himself, Marty Skrull, is here. Hello, Sam. Have You're... you ever thought? Of, did you ever think about just changing it to Skrull so that like fans would like because people would just say that instinctively, right? Well, I never. I maybe thought of changing my last name to something else, but not to Skrull. <laughs> if, I, if I had a choice of any name in the world, <laughs> I know what I'll be. I'll be Skrull. Well, no. But Skrull sounds like an old school, like that's a villainous name. Because it sounds like Skull. I mean, but why would I not just be Marty Skull then? Because whose name is Skull? <laughs> well, whose name is Skull? Uh, I guess that's true well, too. <laughs> the majority of the world can actually manage to say the last name Skull, but for some reason in America, they struggle with it's it. It's that hard R. And with the British think, accent, it makes sense. Like Skull. Skull. Like that, I think on the East Coast, they struggle more right, for some reason. Because they're supposed to be like a syllable somewhere. Like Skull. <laughs> yes. uh, they can't get their head around the fact that the R is after the U. Right. And the U too. Like it's supposed to... Like it's not scarl. No, it's skull. It rhymes with like like a bicep curl or a girl. Curl with a an curl. S. It's curl, S in front curl of it. with an S. <laughs> it's not that tough. Yeah, I mean, you know, you could just call me Big V if you like for villain. <laughs> That's there we good. Go. Big V. <laughs> there we go. So man, I mean, I feel like in the last uh, two years, maybe even less, uh, your the awareness of you in this country in America has kind of gone through the roof pretty quickly. I, I think like the first sort of rumblings of who you were and then this sort of I hear about you all the time thing happened really close together. Do you feel like that's that happened? Yeah. I mean, for many years, I, I mean, I'm 28 now and uh, I started learning how to wrestle when I was 14, 15. So wow. I've been doing it pretty much half my life. Um, but there never really was opportunities for British guys over here in the States before. Mm-hmm. Um, and now British guys are the new Japanese guys, right? Now, now we're the in thing, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like I can take slight credit for it. But no, there was never really uh, an opportunity for. I mean, there was many opportunities for uh, you know Americans and 
and Japanese talent to come over to Europe, but it didn't really work the other way around. And I think it was because the British scene still had some growing itself to do. Mm -hmm. And I think with things like social media and everything else, it's become very easy to do so. Um, and so it was, it was the Americans coming over to England and, and the UK and Europe uh, and wrestling me a lot, which kind of got me a good name amongst the boys right. in America. So they'd always be saying to people like Ring of Honor and Evolve and uh, PWG especially, oh, you should book these guys. Sure. But I guess before then it was just like you said, they just heard a name. But with things like, you know, YouTube now and everything else, it's just so much more easier just to, to see someone, you know, you can see me at the click of a finger. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I had a match with uh, Will Ospreay in England, which was um, like a half an hour match, which was kind of uh, well received by the fans. And that video went kind of, I guess, kind of viral on an indie wrestling grand scheme of things. Um, and so you don't have to qualify. Right. You don't want to give yourself so, too much credit. No, <laughs> but I meant like that. So that kind of helped. And I think after people saw that, and then I, maybe they realized that flights actually weren't that expensive from the UK. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then one person, and PW, to be fair, to give credit where it's due, PWG gave me the opportunity. And uh, once I was seeing that platform, everyone else wanted a piece of the pie. So, Right. Yeah. That's got. I wonder if that drives PWG crazy. You'd probably know more than me. I feel like there's there's a, a handful of guys that that's happened where where PWG especially they're them too. In the last couple of years, they've kind mm. of exploded, and I think that people now all of a sudden when they bring somebody in are paying attention. Yes. And jumping on that bandwagon of okay, now he's. Yeah, I think they probably get more annoyed on the the idea of they they you know bring talent in. And they get over, and then they can't book that talent like the next month or the month after because they're wrestling for other guys now. Right. But at, at the same time, I think the majority, or well, speaking from my, myself and guys like the Young Bucks, we all have a bit of a, you know, a loyalty to PWG because you know they gave them their break. They gave me my break in the states. Zack Saber the same. I'm sure guys like um, Kevin Evans and stuff would say the same thing. So mm -hmm. I actually have it in my contract. Like I'm exclusive with Ring of Honor in. United States, but I can still do PWG because I made it very apparent it was very important for me to still be able to do. I'm not signing PWG. this if I can't do right. And, yeah, you know, and they agreed, so it's great. So yeah, they hold a special place in my heart for sure. That's a big move for you to make. I mean, PWG is a small show that runs, if you're lucky, once a month. Mm -hmm. So to get that Ring of Honor deal mm -hmm. and be kind of ballsy enough to say, but I have to be able to still do this. That's just. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean. It was, it was, I can't, I feel like I'm taking responsibility for this. It wasn't really me. It was more so, uh, I guess, the Young Bucks and maybe, maybe Carl O'Reilly or one of those guys who kind of made that a thing. So Ring of Honor made an exception, I think, for BWG and uh, they kind of have it. I say a working relationship. It's, I don't think it's really a working relationship as opposed to, you know, they let PWG use Ring of Honor. Some of guys the guys, now. yeah. So uh, I am very fortunate for that. But for me, it was a very important, that was very important that was in, in the contract. It's also not a bad thing for Ring of Honor, I feel like, because PWG still has that cool thing mm -hmm. where those shows are considered cool and the guys on the shows are considered cool. Yeah. So, and I think that only goes to help Ring of Honor shows, you know? Yeah, I think um, buzz is very important in yeah. wrestling because it's so... There's so much wrestling now. There's so many hours of programming. There's, like I said before, you can watch any wrestling at the click of your finger. Mm -hmm. So having buzz is important because you can be someone's favorite wrestler this month and then next month be completely forgotten about. And uh, PWG is really good for that. They give a, a platform for their guys to really shine. For like, I know for a fact that I can, you know, no matter what I'm doing in any other promotion in the world, 
I know for a fact that PWG were going to give me a platform to go there. Like you said, every month or every other month in front of the best fans or some of the best fans in the world and I'm going to have a good 20, 25, 30-minute match and I can do whatever the hell I want. And if I, you know, if I sink, you know, okay, maybe I won't be there anymore. But if you swim, you know, it's thumbs up. So, right. Uh, it yeah. actually is a place where, like, you, you're you given this opportunity yes. and your work is going to speak for itself. Yes, and that's that's the... That's the um, the charm of it, I think, is no, it's not get glitz and glamour. It's not, you know, it is, it's a ring inside a hall. So everything that happens is what goes on between the ropes. So the promotion depends on the boys putting a good shift in. Yeah. So when I see people saying, oh, this is too much and this is breaking the rules of wrestling and everything else, I'm like, are you crazy? Like, that, that's the whole point of the thing. That's why it's thriving. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that anybody who's actually been to a PWG show, because right. I've been to a PWG oh, right, show, yeah. and it's like, when you're sitting in that room, there's mm. no, like, it's the most wrestling room ever. Everybody yes. is, like, so, first of all, the fans are, like, invested in whatever the story yes. is. Nobody is sitting there no. trying to, well, you know, in real life, he's, right. they're just fully invested in, in it this. It is. It's investment, and it's passion. Like, like, you can't argue with passion, I don't think. Right. I think that was that big tweet that everyone crazy this week. Uh, I think it was the guy from Kings of Leon. Slagging off wrestling. Did you see that? I did when he said uh, something just to the effect of, hey, grown-ups, right. stop watching wrestling, something and, like that. And I don't want to give him any more attention than it's worth. But uh, I mean, I, it didn't upset me, but I did, I did think it was slightly ignorant and naive in the fact that he is an artist and he obviously has a passion and surely he should understand that other people have other passions. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, that's what the, the first thing that occurred to me is like, isn't that like your parents saying, you can't make a living playing yeah, guitar? Are you yeah. crazy? Yeah. Cut your hair. Exactly. Like. So, I, yeah. So I think it's a shame when people uh, look like that. If you can't argue, if you see something like that and you can see so much excitement and, like I said, passion from the fans, having a good time, I think it's very hard to critique something like that. I get jealous when I uh, look at the UK scene right now because I spent some time growing up in England. I spent oh, really? four years there when I was a wow, kid. Wow, whereabouts? In Surrey. Oh, nice. Yeah, so whereabouts in, in Surrey? Walton. Oh, Walton. Where's it near? Walton on Thames. Where's it near? Um... I don't know. I lived on Coyden? Ashley Drive. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just remember. I know Surrey, though. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was in Surrey. And, uh, but there wasn't much. That was like the early 90s. Right. So there wasn't, I mean, I'm a little kid. Mm -hmm. So it's still just WWF there. Right. Like, yeah. I didn't know yeah. this scene. And I just thought about, like, if I had full exposure to the UK independent scene mm -hmm. as a UK, because it's not just awesome shows. It's something to be prideful as this is our thing right and i think uh i mean wrestling was was very big back in the 70s and 80s in the uk obviously it was on prime time uh television with the with the world of sport and wrestlers like kendo nakasaki and big daddy and whatnot and then when yeah. it when it came off tv uh the scene kind of died and i feel like where the wrestling in america really kind of went on to kind of evolve and become what it is now the uk scene was very much behind so it was very for years and years and years it was very let's get ready to rumble and very kind of i mean i don't want to i don't want to slate it but it just it, it didn't move with the time so you know it, it, early 2000s and guys are still doing the same stuff they were doing back in the 80s right and it needed to it needed to change and it it, it basically went from you know rule striving scene to pretty much nothing and it kind of had to start all over again um and so, in, you know, like I said, in the late 90s, 
early 2000s, guys like Johnny Storm and Doug Williams, Jody Fleisch, Alex Shane, those guys, they kind of try to do something different and do style of shows like a, I don't know, like an ECW or, you know, what they thought was cool. Um, and obviously it just took a long, long time to grow into it. It's grown into what it is now, mm -hmm. um, where, like you said, it's something I think we can all be proud of because the UK fans have always been um, probably the most passionate in the world. They just needed a good product to um, invest in. Yeah, I mean, the, the first show that I went to a kid, as a kid was SummerSlam in Wembley. There we go. But and there was like, 90,000 fans. There, yeah, so. you don't understand like the level of enthusiasm <laughs> yes, exactly. that people had. And I think that's also because like UK fans tend not to, even though there's so much of it over there now, mm. UK fans still don't take for granted that these shows are just going to be there. Yeah. Because they're not there well, like in america it, we've got exposure to yes you can go if you're in america you can yes. go to a wrestling show mm -hmm. every weekend if you want well i figured when i was a kid and i wanted to be a wrestler i just assumed oh i'm gonna have to move to america and go find vince mcmahon and yeah I'm, I'm gonna go to stanford right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then tell him i want to be a wrestler and that's it you know and i never even thought the and the only British wrestler was, was the Bulldog. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll do what the Bulldog did. Right. <laughs> I assumed there was no wrestling in the UK. Uh -huh. uh, I do remember, so back when I was a kid, the big, the wrestling shows in the UK, for some reason, uh, in England's culture, not so much now in the year 2017, but tribute acts in general, just a big thing. Yeah. So going to see like um, the Who tribute act or the Beatles tribute act is sure. like a common thing. Um and then that, for some reason, kind of um, transcended into wrestling. So a lot of the shows I saw as a kid were kind of American Rumble Wrestling featuring <laughs> John Smith as The Undertaker. And <laughs> seriously, and Terry whatever as Kane. It was pretty bizarre. Which the guys is, dressed up as, as, as the WF superstars. Which is a, a, a sort of a tribute act, but also just sort of like an indie promoter trying to say, oh, it's just like seeing it's The Undertaker in Kane. And what was, in, what was pretty bizarre was they would actually have a few ex-WWF guys on the show as well. Uh -huh. So you'd have, for example, I remember going to see shows as a kid and the real Jake the Snake being on, mm -hmm. but then the fake animal from Legion of Doom. <laughs> so when you're an 11 year old kid, it was pretty confusing. Right. I was, yeah. I mean, some of them were so bad. I could, you know, even a stupid 11 year old Mighty Scale could tell. But I do remember thinking, oh, great. Like, there is a wrestling outlet in the UK. Brilliant. But also thinking, maybe I could do this, but. Just to start with, like, I don't want to do this forever. Like, like I, this could be a start until I go WWF. You knew that, that tribute wrestling was not, like, yeah, what you wanted to do like, with your career? I don't, like, there's not many wrestlers that look like me. Like, maybe I'll be Shane O'Mac. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he was my chosen one. But, You're just yeah. practicing your coast-to-coast -coast and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and my shooting star press, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Who were your favorites growing up? Um, big, big, big uh, favorite of mine as a kid was Bret Hart. Mm -hmm. Um... Uh, and he was very popular in Europe, and I think because in Europe, I think we're very we're more sort of um, straight laced, I said, than the than the US sure. the Americans. I think less extrovert, a bit more, you know. And so they, I think, like Hogan was popular, but he was maybe too hokey, 
for a European, I think. Over the top. Just too over the top. Yeah. I, well, I mean, he's the real American for a start. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, but, that's top. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah so we don't, I was like, well, why do I want to get in? I was like, I guess. I was like, yeah, cool, America. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, USA. Yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. Why am yeah, I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we hate Yokozuna. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no. Uh, so, yeah, Japan. Right. They bombed us. <laughs> us. <laughs> did, did, did they? Yeah. Like, uh, so, we were more into the kind of, uh, I guess the and, the and the wrestling was also a lot more straight laced. So my dad or my mother would watch the American wrestling, being you know WCW or WF, and be like, "Oh, that's all that rubbish, phony stuff, the fake stuff, the rural stuff, the British stuff," because it was much more you know map based. So the wrestlers that were more popular in the UK were obviously the Bulldog because he was uh, you know British, but Bret Hart was he was he was real. People could identify with him, and he was an athlete as opposed to a, a performer. Right. So I, I was really into the Bret Hart, and I guess later on, guys like um, uh, obviously The Rock and uh, X Pac was a big uh, favorite of mine. Really? But yeah. Well, I loved X Pac because I I knew I was quite when I was at school. I w I used to tell the teachers I wanted to be a wrestler, mm -hmm. and they used to say, "Oh, you're gonna have to grow a bit first, Marty," because you know because I was really short and uh, X Pac. Knowing X Pac now, he's actually a pretty tall bloke. But, yes. <laughs> but I saw him as a small guy, and uh, and so I uh, I was like, oh, I could be like X Pac. So when I wrestled at school, I was you know I was the the suck it kid being X Pac. And a vivid memory, which doesn't even seem like a long ago, but I remember X Pac and Kane were the tag team champions, and they were my favorites. Mm -hmm. and they were about to wrestle Undertaker and the Big Show at SummerSlam '99. And I remember being so concerned and being like, "Oh man, they're wrestling Big Show and Taker. Like, I don't like. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. Like, my favorites can't beat them. Like, and I was like, maybe if Kane could take the Big Show, then maybe just maybe Xbox. You're like strategizing yeah, for like, them. Like, I was like, he'll take him on, then Xbox can get Taker and like. Um, yeah, I was, I was, yeah, but Kane's gonna have to do some damage to right. take her first because I don't think x yeah, can do a right. full strength. And I was really concerned. And obviously, I was dead. And then they lost. I was right. I was mm. devastated. Yeah, no, you were uh, right. That math does not <laughs> add up. So, uh, uh, so x -Bark. And then, uh, and guys like more guys who influenced my style, guys like uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper and Terry Funk, those kind of guys I got more into as I, as I became more of a badass teenager. And I yeah. went to, you know, I was too cool for the rock then. I wanted to, you know, like Terry Funk and stuff. <laughs> so at what point in, in your career, was this like an overnight thing or a gradual thing? Like, Because when you started out, mm -hmm. and even when you were on some TV and when mm -hmm. you were in TNA and stuff like that doing stuff, you were short-haired, bright tights, you mm -hmm. know, a very different guy. Yeah. Do you at some point look in the mirror and go like this isn't working i got to change it or is there a gradual like oh i haven't i haven't shaved in a while right this... no it's uh it, it's a gradual thing people ask me this question every time and i i normally give a big answer what i like to suggest now is that my previous character as a fun loving good guy party marty was actually the whole plan all along because obviously all good villains start off as a nice person of course something happens and they turn into that evil Villain. So I'm actually a genius. My character is like a long thing over like twelve years. So this vil <laughs> this villain is because uh, because when when because I, I I try to be a good guy. Right. I try to be the one everyone loved. They right. Turn their backs on me. Where were you, the fans? Society turned on me, and yeah. then I turned out to be an absolute asshole. Are you, what, <laughs> are you surprised? Right. Are, are you you did this. Are you these people made this happen. Yeah. But at the same time, I uh, I remember reading. A book is actually the autobiography. There's a few things that hit me. Mm -hmm. One uh, was an autobiography by the Legion of Doom, who got mentioned earlier. Um, 
They, well, the fake Legion of Doom got me. Yeah, the fake Legion of yeah. Doom. Who, <laughs> actually, was... who actually know as well. It's actually, uh, I'll tell you who was uh, fake Legion of Doom. Yeah. Interesting, was Paige's dad, Ricky Knight. Really? Yes. He played the Legend of Doom. <laughs> the Legend of True Doom. True story. That's yeah. great. He, and uh, I spoke to him about it because I wrestled for him many years later. And he said, oh, I made... I made great money back in the tribute days. Uh, (laughs) Seriously. Um, Sorry, where was I? Uh, So, Legend of Doom, autobiography. And they were saying when they were starting out as wrestlers, they really wanted to stand out. Despite the fact they were already six foot whatever and 300 pounds of muscle, Mm -hmm. they still felt the need to stand out. And so they got the mohawks and the face paint and the big shoulder pads. Yeah. It got me thinking. I was like, oh, I just kind of wear a pair of trunks and short back and sides and clean shave. And like, I need to switch things up and there was a uh, a very famous quote well i'm not sure how famous it is but uh, a quote either way from matt groaning who wrote the simpsons of course and he said that all great characters could be recognized from their silhouette and i thought that's an interesting point because if you think of homer you can tell straight or bart or any marge maggie you can tell lisa um sideshow bob and whatnot and i thought okay well i need to get something to to mix this up so uh yeah, it was a gradual thing. It wasn't like, this is my character. It's, it's an evolving thing. It still is to this day. To yeah. Yeah, it's an evolving thing. Did you always know that you wanted to be invested in a character? Because a lot of guys now and a lot of young guys and guys coming up don't do the character thing, right? Yeah. And some guys are really successful not doing the sure. character thing. Because think... now I think because fans are so smart to mm-hmm. everything, it becomes it's a little more difficult to get a fan to believe that you're this character instead of a guy who can just do this well. Yeah, I think originally I just assumed I'd be a really good wrestler and then someone would give me a character and I'd be good enough to play, play it off, you know? Right. Somebody would but, give you those spiked right, shoulder pads one right. day. Well, you yeah. know, they'd be like, you're going to be Mantar 2. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I love it! Um, and I could do that. No. Uh, but I think you quickly realize to, to get by and be successful in wrestling purely based on... In-ring ability, I think, is you have to be really remarkable. You know, guys like Dynamite Kid could probably do it. But I feel like if you're going to be a main event player, you have to have that character and something that people can invest in. That is the most important thing, I think. Just Right. Uh, Plus, you probably sell a bunch more T-shirts, which is nice. I mean, yes. And I have a lot of wrestlers. They say, Marty, how do you sell so many shirts? Like, how are you making all this money from T-shirts? you got to get a... A character, man. You're yeah. going to have something people invest in. Because uh, once you've seen a few flips, once you've seen some cool moves, like yeah. there's not a lot of substance. I want substance. I want people to be invested. I want people to be interested in what I'm going to do and what I'm going to say. You need a gimmick, brother. You need a gimmick. I think it's it's an important because at the end of the day, otherwise people are just paying to see um, two guys pretend to fight. In their right. Same reason I was invested in Brett. He, he made me invest and I wanted to pay for the pay-per-view to see him wrestle. I want to buy the sunglasses. I wanted to run around my house dressed up as him. And uh, so it's really cool today. Actually, the show two days ago in Detroit, there was an 11-year-old child dressed up as the villain. That's Furco, awesome. Umbrella. And he goes up to me, he goes, hey, Marty, I loved your match at uh, Mystery Vortex. I watched it on, on DVD. Mystery Vortex, by the way, is a PWG DVD. And I'm like, how old are you? He's 11. I was like, why are you watching PWG <laughs> yeah. DVDs for a start? I think anytime, that's probably my most favorite compliment when uh because i wrestle generally for an adult audience yeah uh and so when i hear that a kid is a fan of me that's almost like 
Oh, that's really cool for me. Do you know what I mean? Because oh, wow, yeah. like that means this character is resonating with different audiences. Right. You know? So uh, it's 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 the most important thing I think, and it's made it's definitely helped me stand out and get to where I am. So if you told Zack Saber Jr. that the jacket's not enough, kid, you gotta. You gotta... I mean, Zach is that Zach's actually a hell of a character himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is. Yeah, I only clicked on the because me and Zach often, well, every now and then we'll team up, and yeah, Zach is like a really really massive like vegan enthusiast yeah yeah uh, and i wear a fur coat to the ring so it's a bit of a <laughs> i'm not sure when he's gonna notice this <laughs> yeah. there's a yin yang here that yeah, i don't know yeah. if it works or clashes right I, yeah uh but no uh i mean like i said so if you look at the guys who have broke out from europe they're Zach and Osprey, both of them are very, very exceptional in their fields. So yes. Zach is the best technical wrestler, and Osprey is the best high flyer. Um, so you need, uh, you know, they don't have to rely as much on characters, but they will because they're the best because they're in their field. But right. they will get to a point where they'll have to excel in that character. You know, they, because wrestling on the indies, and I guess wrestling on TV is a different thing. So they will get to the point uh, where they have to when they have to do so because a lot of time as well, like especially with that high flying style, you probably can't do that for. A, as long as you can. You right, I mean? right, right. At um, some point, you have to figure out, okay, yes. how do I make and this work on the ground? Yes, because it's not great for the body. And not only that, but, uh, you know, there's always going to be a new guy that comes along that can do something crazy. Yeah. So Matt Hardy started off as the greatest, you know, a great high flyer. And years on, probably had his best ever run doing that crazy broken Broken character. man. It's amazing. So, and yeah, people think about that more than they do any of his 450 splashes. Right. So. And it makes you think like... God damn, I should have yeah, stayed on the ground the yeah. whole time. That really hurt. <laughs> He's got mad probably before. thinks, why didn't I come up with this 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah. It does. It takes time, man. It takes that whole finding yourself. Like I've been, like like I said, wrestling for a long, long time. So it takes a long time to get comfortable in the ring and, and kind of find yourself as a character. Are you, because I feel like, a, like your character is like a, a cool bad guy in mm -hmm. the sense that you're portraying a villain, but mm -hmm. it's tough to not get cheered. Yeah. Is that something, is that a sticking point for you? Are you always trying to figure out how to get booed or do no. you feel like in this day and age, it, that's not the way it works anymore? Uh, I don't, uh, I often get people say, oh, you can't do that. Like, you're supposed to be a heel. Mm -hmm. I say, I say, what the hell, what the hell is a heel? Who said I was a heel? I'm the <laughs> villain. I didn't say I was, I don't play by these pro wrestling rules of, Faces and heels. That That's what make... makes you such a villain, right. right? I don't. I don't care about that. You can. You can live by those pro wrestling rules. I think outside the box. Right. I'm a villain. I'm an antagonist. You know, I do nasty things. If the people want to cheer or boo it, that's down to them. That says more about them than it does me. You know what I mean? Right. If they if they enjoy it, uh, I think. But so many people get so obsessed by this is how wrestling should be this is how wrestling should be this is what it was like when I was a kid right and yeah. I, like I said there was an 11 year old kid the other day who told me he loved me so like they don't care about that stuff and to be honest with you if you want to make money in this in wrestling and, and be a, a main event player and stand out you you have to be a likable in some sense so when I was a teenager Triple H was the big heel but we used to go to WD shows and watch and he'd come out and probably get the biggest pop of the night right know? Everybody so, was buying that Game Over t-shirt. Sure, yeah. exactly. Now, is Brock Lesnar, is he here or face? No, I have no idea. He's Brock Lesnar. Yeah, exactly. I'm the villain. Not comparing myself to Brock Lesnar, uh, but it's the same thing. <laughs> I don't I don't uh, worry too much about that. I just want to, I don't, I just want to entertain the people and give them something they can enjoy. It just happens to be that my um, character is, is an antagonist. It's much like the same as it is with movies, you know. Were you surprised to find out that... Uh, when you when you won Best of Los Angeles 
Uh, battle of battle of us. I always say best of. Someone said to battle. me yesterday, "Good luck in the battle of super genius." So people are getting confused. Even it's way. crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But when you won the whole thing, when yes. you won Bola, was that something like, "Oh my God, I can't believe," or was it like, "Well, yeah, of course." Uh, I mean, I've always been obviously very confident in my abilities, but it was a, a massive moment for me for sure. It mm-hmm. was because, and I think anytime I, I do accomplish something it's I don't want to say it means more to me than it might do to other people but I feel like I have kind of had that struggle and um, I've been doing it such a long time and always kind of always wanting to do it and believing I can but knowing that the odds are against me so as a child like I said I didn't even realize I could wrestle in the UK and then right then doing that and then having people say you're too small and everything else and you have so many knockdowns for like the one, you know, achievement and everything else. Um, you, you, even I, I still believed it would happen. I still believe I could hundred percent make it. But it takes. It's what I mean is it's gonna. I'm gonna appreciate it more for sure than someone who's been wrestling maybe three years and right. is amazing in the ring and just you get you know not gets handed to it. But you know, because it, it's right. just a more natural so, and and, yes. and and it's and it's something where like. From the time they started, it's like, well, obviously, I'm going to start this. Right. I know where to go. It and wasn't, I'm gonna... well, I'm so, like, I wasn't wrestling for two years, and then WWE was like, here's a dude, if contract, you know. This wasn't it... necessarily supposed to happen for you. Right. This yes. was something that yeah, you and made. It was, uh, yes. And I was never, I was never, uh, no one, like, wrestling came to me. Like, no one ever put me in that position. I just happened to see it as a child. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't supposed to fall in love with it. I just did. Yes. And then I forced my mom to take me to a school and everything else. So it wasn't like, oh, go be a wrestler. Um, so no, I think like I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it means a lot to me when I, when those things do happen, um, and especially something like that when there was guys in it like Justin Liger and yeah. Chris Hero and Ricochet and all these guys that I kind of uh, you know think are amazing and look up to, uh, and then to be kind of uh, to come out on top and you know to think okay, like you know I I think I think I'm good, but now. This confirms it to a degree. At least these people must think I'm good as well. You know, right? <laughs> you know? Is that a weird thing when when you start to get to this place mm. where the only reason you keep going is because you think you have the ability to do this? Mm. When that gets realized after ten years, twelve right. years, whatever mm. it is, is that kind of like this weird like, whoa, okay, okay, now what's this phase? What is? What am I doing now? Like this to a is... degree, but yes, but. I guess every time you realize something, it's always kind of on to the next thing. Right. Especially know? because this thing that you're realizing now, as special as it is, mm-hmm. in your heart and mind, you were ready for it five years ago. Right, yeah. So but, now well, it's it might, still on I to the next thing. I wanted it then, but it's so funny because it's kind of when you when you wanted it then and you think, okay, why am I not here? Why am I not there? But then you realize later, oh, I definitely wasn't really there. <laughs> right. And you think, Thank okay, God it happened yes. now. And you think, oh, I'm uh, going along this way and I'm going to be more prepared and more prepared. So I've wanted to wrestle, for example, this is a good example. I wanted to wrestle in Japan for, you know, ever since I was a wrestling fan. That was always a big deal for me. And so for years and years, I've always been, oh, I hope I get an opportunity in Japan. And uh, many years ago, it could happen, but it didn't. And you kind of think, oh, I've got, you know, crying out loud. But now, next week, I go out to New Japan for the best Super Junior. So, and this will be my first time in Japan. And it's a case of I'm finally, you know, ticking that off the box, something I want to do. But I'm doing it kind of in the most spectacular fashion, in the yeah. biggest promotion in 
one of the most prestigious tournaments uh, and I'm doing it as a kind of polished performer and with all that wealth of knowledge and experience. So it's so much better that it's happened now than say five, 10 years ago. And was getting the, was getting the ring of honor deal, not only getting the ring of honor deal, but pretty quickly getting the television championship. Mm. That had to be another one of those surreal moments for you. Yeah, it, it was. Again, I was a big, big fan of um, ring of honor. Uh, as, as a teenager, people forget that's been around a long time, 15 or 15 years. years, yeah. It's going to be weird when it comes up to the 20th anniversary, isn't it? I had yeah. a conversation the other day, like, when is 20 years? Like, whoa, 20 years? Yeah. Like, almost w, like double WCW time and well, ECW I time. Mean, yeah, you even, like, <laughs> like, it gets compared, like, this is the closest thing we have to ECW, and you go, no, yeah. ECW had its doors <laughs> right, closed yeah. a long time before um, now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so that, it was always a thing, you know, wanted to... Wanted to go there. I said something the other day in an interview where I kind of suggested that I spend a lot of my adulthood trying to blow the mind of like a 13-year-old Marty yeah. Scale. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but Ring, Ring of Honor, what excited me about Ring of Honor, again, it was it's that promotion that is purely based for the most part on in-ring action. And I felt like I, as this character, I feel like it has so much potential to to do some really great things and 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 touch people, and you know much more than just any pro wrestling match could, and and I really wanted a a strong platform to do that on. Yeah, and I I kind of felt like Ring of Honor would give me that freedom, that creativity, and the platform to do so. That the same and, character could evolve yes, naturally, right? As opposed to having constraints or ideas right. put on it that aren't yours. Yes, yes, to a degree, and not only that. Um, not only would it give me that big platform, uh, what was the point I was making? I've gone a bit blank. <laughs> Just have going to Ring of Honor. And... Yeah, no, not only that, but I felt like I could help. Not only could it help me, but I felt like I could help the company grow as well. And I think that right. was very important for me, being able to go somewhere and being hands-on. And um, so in my head, I'm like, okay, great. Come to Ring of Honor now. Let's make this the top thing. Let's get this in bigger arenas let's get this bit into tv channels in europe let's do that and uh are yeah you so that's been exciting for me are you doing that any way besides just having great matches like do you have your hands on stuff that's not necessarily yours um i mean or is it just it's just a matter of promoting the product through being a part of it i think um again kind of like earlier i said about how wrestling thrives on on buzz yes and i think uh so me coming in and, and doing what I've done so far has helped Ring of Honor create uh, a bit of buzz. And uh, buzz for myself, but buzz for the promotion because they want to be that cutting-edge promotion that does different things and brings in new, exciting talent. Um, so I think that's helped a lot. And, I, you know, I think uh, I've had... I've had helped put a lot of eyes on, on the products. For, for example, before I came into Ring of Honor, the second biggest market for, for Ring of Honor was Canada. Uh, now it's actually the UK. Wow. So, I don't know if I was totally responsible for that, but I'm going to take it either way. Yeah, I would if I were I'm you. I'm going to take it. <laughs> um, and I've seen it. I've seen the way that um, I've I've uh, I've touched the fans and I've seen the, the passion that they have behind me and I'm, I'm very appreciative. So if I can bring my fans to Ring of Honor, if I can create new fans from Ring of Honor, I think it's a, a win for both parties for sure. So in the WWE does the UK tournament, mm -hmm. how do you internally react to that? Was it, ooh, that would have been cool to do? Um... To be honest with you, uh, like I said, I I like to do everything 
I, my, my catchphrase in life is if you want to be extraordinary, you've got to be, you've got to do extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. And that I think was great. And it was cool for the UK market. And it was very cool for the guy, like a lot of my good friends in there, Pete Dunn and Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, three of my, my best mates. But for me personally, I don't think that would have been a fitting tournament for myself. Now, is that because, because I was thinking about this for you too, because of course at first, mm. you know, I think you and Zach, not being on are probably the two biggest losses from that thing. But I was also, you know, the more I thought about it, especially with you, the more it was like, but is it better to be the one guy mm. who's not there? And maybe when, when the time comes for you to be over there, if that's what happens, right. you're not coming as, I'm one of the pack of I'm British not... guys. I'm this other dude over here. I mean, without blowing too much smoke up my ass I'm not one of you know I don't want to be one of 16 guys or one of 32 guys mm-hmm. um, I like to do everything to, to to the best and to the extreme and I want you know for me that's why that's why a big part of why I came to Ring of Honor um, there was other opportunities that I could have done before coming to Ring of Honor where I had to say oh I don't want to be you know one of as a group like I want to stand out by myself you that's did what, yeah and um, and and that was important for me. I didn't want to, and I thought Ring of Honor didn't have any British guys. So that's I, what I was I, thinking. And right. literally, as we're talking, I'm and, like, but and as I can come to Ring of Honor, and you know, not only have they never seen any, you know, anyone like me before, they've not seen anyone talk like me, wrestle like me, and obviously my character is is pretty pretty unique. Uh, so that was important for me. I figured I could stand out, and and th- that that was more exciting for me. Doing something new. I don't like to. I don't like to do where I want. Like, look at my character; it, it is different. It doesn't. It goes against the grain. Of yeah. course, I, it has a chip on its shoulder. I'm not. I don't want to do. I don't want to be a part of something. I want. I want to make something. If that makes sense. That totally makes sense. I mean, as much as I mean, and I've talked about it a lot. As much mm-hmm. as I loved the UK tournament, and sure. as an American fan, was exposed to a lot of guys from sure. it because we just don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have the. I can't. I don't and have the time to take, look up everything right, on YouTube. And I don't want to take anything away from that tournament. And yeah, it was certainly good for the for the guys involved. I just feel like. Uh, for me, person plus, like, there's so much stuff that I can, that I want to do. I want to, I want to take over Ring of Honor. I want to take over New Japan, and I will. Right. And I want to take over the wrestling world and 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 uh, and do all sorts of things. Yeah, I think there's something to not being part of like a British invasion, right? And more just being like, oh, there's this weird guy over here, and he mm-hmm. says he's a villain, and he wears this mask, <laughs> and he's British, and he's this, and he's that, sure. and it's and and sure. that that I feel like is more the the uh, uh, the road that you're laying down. Yes, yes. I like sense. to. I like to. Funny enough, I'm a little bit different. I like to do things differently. I like to do things my own way, and I think that's quite admirable in this day and age. Yeah, but does part of you say like, I wish Jack Gallagher wouldn't bring that umbrella to the ring because that's my umbrella. I mean, I, I hear he's a, just a uh, a massive Marty Scalf mark. <laughs> is that what it is? He <laughs> must just be. He must just be a, a very very big fan. He's no. bringing an official Marty Scroll uh, <laughs> umbrella uh, to I the mean, ring. I mean, I mean. At the end of the day, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if if you're a, a young guy um, coming into a new company and mm-hmm. you want to make a name for yourself and uh, make an impression, then you're going to turn to the things that are popular at the moment in, I wouldn't necessarily pick in wrestling, I pick from other stuff, but, uh, you know, of course, well, I've pinched stuff from a lot of people I look up to, of course. Like who? Like Roddy Piper. Yeah. And CM Punk. And, yeah. And Terry Funk, those guys who yeah. I love. So, of course, yeah, that's going to happen. Um, so, I mean, it, it's flat, it's flattering, really, if anything. I mean, I see I, I see a lot of the big promotions around the world, and I see 
um, stuff of mine kind of pinched here, there, and everywhere all the time. It's just a, it's just a part of it, right? So, and, and, and it's up to you to evolve past it, yeah, right? Yeah, and if anything, it's a challenge for me. Yeah. So uh, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm more than a prop, um, and I can always add more props. Now I come to the ring with a hole. Now, if someone was saying to me the other day, who was it? Mm. Maybe it, was, it might have been Carl O'Reilly. He was like, oh, no, was it him? No, Matt Riddle. There we go. Mm -hmm. Carl was there. And he said, oh, when I first saw you, you you know, you had a pair of glasses and then you had a, a fur <laughs> coat and an umbrella. And, and now and then you're coming out with like this weird like bird mask and a hat and you've got spikes <laughs> on your shoulders and you got this. And, and I'm like, yeah, I think like in a year's time, I'm just going to keep adding stuff. I'm going to come out to the ring on a motorbike with a monkey on my shoulder, a flamethrower, <laughs> just add more and more props and just, yeah. See, this uh, is the way it's going to be a problem, though, is once, once you get an action figure, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be so expensive to make it because <laughs> it's go. got to have all these it's little things with it. It's going to be a premium it. action figure. Uh, but no, it, <laughs> it's a challenge. And, and, and I think that's another reason. Uh, why I've managed to stand out. Like I said earlier, Ring of Honor isn't anyone that wrestles like me because I I make it uh, a job of mine to make sure I'm completely different to everyone else. So as soon as I see someone else doing something of mine, I go, okay, I won't do that anymore. I won't do that move anymore. The reason I did the chicken wing in the first place was because I hadn't seen anyone do it for 20 years. Right. I, I thought, I don't think anyone's going to be ripping off Bob Backlund in a hurry. Um, but in but hindsight, that, but now the I chicken wing, I thought it was super badass when crazy Bob Backlund was doing it in 94, and you forget that he made it kind of badass. Yeah, and yeah, he did. And then I, you know, I was like, okay. And actually, it was less Bob Backlund. A lot of the old British folk used to do the chicken wing. Mm -hmm. um, guys like Johnny Kidd, Marty Jones, even uh, Norman Smiley. In fact, X-Pac used to do the uh, chicken wing. Yes, he in, did. In WCW. When he was six. I, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he called, I can't remember he called it now, but... We had a conversation about it. He's like, yeah, yeah, you do. I like you, Marty, because you put it on properly. <laughs> like, cool, man. I, forgot, I actually kind of forgot he did it. But uh, again, it's 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 unique, I think. And even though it is an old wrestling move, it's 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 taking that and then making it your own and 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 putting your own spin on it. So even the moves, it's it's pretty impossible to invent new maneuvers per se, but then to make them your own and put a spin and put your own taste on it is a whole other thing. And I think a lot of wrestlers forget to do that and that's why a lot of stuff they do doesn't really have any substance or doesn't be remembered mm -hmm. um and so again kind of like look kind of like i was going back to before it's very important for me to kind of to 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 be different and because people things do get copied all the time you've got to you've got to develop you got that's why it's important to have that character and have that important to have that outlet where you can talk but you're not are you waiting to be Copied before you think of something new, or are you just constantly? I'm a pretty. I I spent. You know, it's my full time job wrestling, and it's not. It's not just a job because it's my passion, and it's it's what I feel that I'm put on this earth to do. So I think about it all the time. Like I'm probably a good year or two down the line in my head of where where I'm going to be and what what my character's going to do, and uh, it it because I'm thinking all the time. Okay, I've got to stay on the edge of. Okay, I'm hot now. Yeah, people say. Oh yeah, but you know, there's ups and downs. You won't be hot forever, and I'm like, okay, well, we'll see about that. I'm gonna do everything I can to be as hot as I, you know, yeah. for a very, very long time. I don't intend on slowing down anytime soon. So I'm always ahead of the curve. Like even tonight, I've, I'm, I've got this, I've got this badass mask tonight to wear on pay per view, um, and I've had it for about six months, but I've been saving it because I've had that just there. for the right. But I've thing. had other stuff to do first, and I'm like, okay, now it's ready to wear this. And, do you yeah. buy them in a store? 
Just come, come across the, them, or does come, somebody make them? Just, or? Uh, all over the place. This one, actually, my friend actually picked it up from some random market in Italy. So oh, that's so cool. And just texted me, was like, "Do you want this?" <laughs> and it was way expensive. And I was like, "I'm gonna." I was like, "I have to have it." Yes, <laughs> yeah, I just must have yes, it. Yes, I was like, "I must have it," and I'll probably wear it <laughs> once. But if you're on pay per view, it means something, and I'll probably get more tweets tonight about that. Oh my god! Did you see Marty's entrance? Then my match, or did you see when Marty said this, or whatever it might be? Uh, than anything else, I think that's the cool thing with me as well is gifts, gifs on mm -hmm. on face, you know, on uh, sorry, not Facebook, Twitter, Twitter. Yeah, uh, every other wrestler is like such that they do a really badass move, but mine are never badass moves, which actually kind of upsets me to a degree. But it's always <laughs> like some some me pulling a silly face, me doing an entrance, me yeah. doing something stupid. But I think that's important because it means that like uh, I'm doing something different for sure. Well, it reminds you too of like. Uh... You don't need to kill yourself in the ring because the gifts are going to come from the entrance. Yes. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But no, uh, it's a, it's an ever evolving. You know, I can't. Um, it's an ever evolving thing. You know, who knows if uh, what I do in the ring, uh, it could change over the next few years. And because society changes and culture changes, yeah. So I have to move with the times, and I want to be ahead of it. And I, I think the reason why I have uh, managed to to get where I am is because I do think outside the box so i do uh, okay okay this is a trend in wrestling now i'll do this i'll do that and it's and it's a lot of the times it's it's it is a risk and i think all those years of wrestling has helped me because i used to do years and years and years of wrestling on the holiday camps in the uk where the people in the audience weren't wrestling fans and it'd be very small crowds and it could be embarrassing and you could try things out and you could do stuff and after a while you don't really get nervous about messing up or you don't get nervous about doing something and it not getting over. Right. You know, a lot of guys are too scared to take a risk because they're too scared to look stupid. And I feel like that kind of vanished from me a long time ago. So I'm bold enough now to go, oh, I'm going to wear a, a bird mask to the ring and carry an umbrella because trust me, all the people that say it's badass now, or the chicken wings are a good example. Everyone who thinks that's cool as hell now when I first did it, I don't think people thought that was the case. When I started doing the chicken wing and screaming chicken wing at the top of my voice before I did it <laughs> in in front of complete silence uh -huh. people thought I was stupid people were like I remember Cole Cabana was like dude when you start doing that chicken wing thing and uh, the umbrella everyone was laughing at you but you know gotta give it to you you stuck at it and you continue to do so and now it's like you know one of the most sober things um, and I get again I think it's because I have no shame and I have no <laughs> I, I have no shame in being embarrassed clearly right. I don't, I don't it, it's the same as a uh, I guess being a stand-up comedian, I guess they're only invincible when they don't care if they do a joke and people aren't going to laugh at it. And that usually, same thing for stand-ups, happens right. after 10, yes. 11, 12 years. Because it's like, you. what because are you going to do? It's, What's it's, the worst thing that you're going to do? It's easy to pinch something from someone mm -hmm. knowing that it's gone over and knowing that that works. Right. That's a badass move. I'll do it. I know it's going to get a reaction. Oh, that's a cool umbrella. Let's do that. That's going to be, that's going to get a reaction because so, it's been done. It's been proven but you but get then doing something that's never been done and being like oh this is a risk i love that i do that all the time because that's your reaction right that's not a reaction to the move <laughs> right. that's not a reaction to the prop yeah. that's you got that reaction right. you right. made it yeah so I'll, I'll be like okay i'll try this yeah i i great example of this i don't know if it's a fair a really fair one because the crowd is so freaking awesome in uh in ireland at the moment but there's this really cool promotion called OTT, Over the Top Wrestling in Dublin, Ireland. And it's probably the place where 
I feel like I'm the most the most over I am anywhere. Um, like I like to think I'm pretty damn over in Ring of Honor, but in OTT it's like deafening. It's next level. Right. And I don't know why, but I decided that I was gonna beat up the guy Vesting Donovan Jack, a big guy. So I was mm-hmm. like I was like, I've really gotta lay it on to him. And I was like, how can I get him down? I was like, I know. I'll grab him like in a headlock and I'll give him rapid one inch punches like this, like doosh, 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 doosh. <laughs> and I was like, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna grab him, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna see how fast I can do it and do it for as long as I can until I blow up, basically. Yeah. So I get him in his headlock, I start punching him like one inch for about a minute. The crowd at first is like, what the hell is Marty doing? It kind of goes from what the hell is he doing to like standing ovation halfway through. <laughs> and all I'm doing is like, and they just like go nuts. You know what I mean? And it was the stupid, stupid thing. But in my head, I'm like, well, if they're complete silent, I don't give a, it doesn't matter because two minutes later, I can scream chicken wing and they're going to come up for me anyway. So we'll give this a go. And then, you know, so again, that one works. Some things don't work, but that time it did. So you got to take risks. You know, I, I think, you know, that a funny thing happens, and maybe you don't feel this way at all, but when you start to get successful, you shift your vision of a timeline. So, like, I think when you're young and when you're starting, you have a timeline in your head of, I want to be here, and then I want to be here, and then I want to sure. be here. Mm. And when you start to get successful, you start to, people start to get to this place where they go, well, I, I see where this leads. Mm. I don't know when it leads or how it leads. Mm. So I think I'm just going to do this. Do you have a timeline in your head? Like, do you do you have a thing? Because you said, like, I'm thinking a year, a year and a half out of my character. Is there something in your head? Like, I, I want to be, if you even want to be in WWE, I want to be in mm. WWE at this point. I want to be, you know, wrestling full time in Japan at that mm. point. Do you have that now? <laughs> I think I did. Like, kind of like you said, I was, I was younger, but yeah. I feel like I actually I can't remember who said it, but it was a quote I saw the other day, uh, or an interview. I can't remember who it was, but they said you spend so much time of your life kind of seeking happiness in the sense that you're you're you're, you're chasing something, and you think in your head, okay, once I get that, then I'll be happy. So once I'm a millionaire, then that's my happiness. Then I can relax and everything else. But the truth is, probably when you become a millionaire. You want something else. You want, of course. You want to be a billionaire or whatever it is. I'm sure guys whose dream it is to be WWE champion, they become WWE champion. They lose it. They want to be it again. Or you know, CM Punk's a good example. He lost. He wanted to be champion again. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. He wanted to. You know, he won the title, but he wants to main event WrestleMania. I'm sure if he did that, he might want to be the first guy to main event ten WrestleManias in a row. Right. There's if you tell something. CM Punk when he's 22. You're going to get the Undertaker match at mm. WrestleMania. He's flipping out. If you tell CM Punk when he wants to be in the main event that he's getting the Undertaker match, he goes, yeah. that's not the match I want. I want the main event. Yeah. So um, it's funny how, yeah, how he's come up. But uh, So I don't think I, there's certainly aims I have. Absolutely, there's things I want to accomplish. And, and, and then a lot of them go further out than just winning a title or sure. competing for this. Uh, I want to, I, you know, I want to touch people in certain ways. I want to branch. I want to get wrestling out into into the world, and and you know, and uh, you know, if we can get Ring of Honor on a big TV station, or if we can get, you know, wrestling to be accepted by everyone, that's that's the sort of stuff is important to me. If I can make, if I can get villain 
you know, filling t-shirts in H&M, that's a big deal to me. You know, things like that, I think, is is important. So, um, I yeah, I certainly have aims, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a good way of achieving it. But there's no necessary timeline, I'd say. It's just a matter of your goal right now mm-hmm. and for the foreseeable future mm-hmm. is to... I think the big thing is... I Make big... wrestling main as mainstream. I mean, not... That, um, <sighs> yes, to a degree... To a degree, yes. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm trying to, yeah, I mean, to, but to, it is to, to, to be mainstream for sure, but I think just uh, just to have impact on people's lives and to, to make an impression. And I often say, long live the villain. It's because I want my body of work and, and what I've done on this earth to kind of live on for a long, long time after I've been on, on this planet, you know? So, like I said, it kind of more so, I think more so out of than like, oh, I just, I want to be the, bloody blood champion or whatever it, <laughs> yeah. might, whatever it might be you know um, there was one more point I had in my head now like I said I'm still jet lagged from my uh, trip from, <laughs> <laughs> from England making towns all over the place yes, um, yes. well what, what was the point that you wanted to make like uh, 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 so we talked about uh, making wrestling more mainstream not having a timeline mm. and and touching people's lives yes and I think it's just, it's and kind of what you're saying about that pursuing happiness as well. I think it's just very yeah. important to kind of enjoy the moments that you're in right now, do you right. know what I mean? And uh, take it for what it's well, worth. Well, that's yeah. the thing you forget, isn't it? And I and I find it happens a lot in the wrestling business. It happens in the entertainment business, which is mm. kind of one and the same at this point. Mm. But it's that thing of what you said earlier, trying to blow the mind of 13-year-old Marty. Right. You yeah. tend to forget that at mm. points mm-hmm. when you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, he would be. Oh yeah, going ape shit for mm-hmm. this moment, and yes. all you're thinking about, you know, twenty eight year old Marty <laughs> is why aren't I over here? Why aren't yeah. I over there? Take a step back, yeah, and yeah. enjoy this. Yeah, and just just creating stuff that has has meaning. Yeah, and substance. Yeah, that to me, being an artist, being an artist and being happy, and um, creating something special. I think that 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 you know, I want. I would like people to feel the same way how Bret Hart was a influence on my life as a child, mm-hmm. how Xbox was. <laughs> you know, I'd like to have that because at the end of the day, all I'm doing is running around in pants. It's 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 pretty silly, but <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty silly. But it can touch a lot of lives. So you know, if, right. I, can, if I can do that, uh, I'd certainly be be very pleased and uh yeah no there's uh there's a lot of things this year cm punk i'd like to bring cm punk out of retirement and wrestle him for sure oh my god wouldn't that now be that's cool? a goal so i don't know if cm punk listens to this show i don't know i mean he is he's been on it Has years he? ago was he I mean, sat right here no i i was on it was on location at the time oh. he was on it right before uh right before his match with the undertaker wow and it's funny that that came comes up because go, yeah. at the time I didn't pick up on it, but when I when I went back after you know what came out came out, mm-hmm. I uh, I listened to it and it was like oh he was miserable. Oh, well, you that, could you, you could that's hear the it. thing. Like you said, you you could assume he was on top of the world. Right you see, now he's now he's miserable. Right, it's a that's, weird thing. Yeah, but a CM Punk, if you're watching, come out for retirement. We can have we can cause a spot above her have a little wrestling match. What do you oh, say? I love that. That'd be fun, right? That'd be amazing. Yeah. There we go. That's one for the headlines. It'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. We got it. Well, uh, Marty, thank you for uh, for stopping by, man. I'm glad we finally got a chance to yes. chat, is- and hopefully we'll chat many more times throughout uh, 
Yeah, tonight's going to be pretty special. I think uh, I've got quite a few things in store for tonight, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah, and, I can't uh, wait to see be, it. Yeah, we're definitely going to cause a spot of bother in the, in the Big Apple tonight, so it's exciting. Excellent. Well, welcome to New York, and uh, have a good time, man. Thanks for doing the show. Thank you, Sam. Here is Sam Roberts. So happy to get to know Marty. Uh, I'm sure, first of all, he has the potential to be a bigger Marty in the world of pro wrestling than Marty Jannetty, which is huge and not something that I think has really been done by a Marty yet. Except for maybe the WWE's director, Marty. I don't know. I don't know for sure. I don't know if he's surpassed Marty Jannetty yet or not, but Marty Skrull may be the man to do it. Of course, right after the interview, he reveals that he's now a, a supermodel modeling top man suits. Um, I just think that, that, that you know, he's, he is the quintessential uh, 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 guy with potential. This is a guy with potential to do almost anything. And, you know, the world of, of sports entertainment has changed, and guys that look like Marty Skrull when they can present themselves the way he presents himself, you know, you've got something there. He's 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 under six feet tall, but when he makes his entrance, he's st- he's larger than life. And that's why, you know, people talk about size and height and weight and all this stuff. But and sometimes it's more difficult for a smaller guy to do it, but if you can present yourself as larger than life, then at the end of the day, if you can convince a building of people that you are larger than life, and then translate that through a camera lens and can convince the people at home that you are larger than life, well, then by God, you're nine feet tall. It just doesn't matter. Speaking of uh, translating through a camera lens, the big announcement is that I will be on the Extreme Rules kickoff panel. I can't wait. It's the, one of the, my favorite things that I do. I'll be on the Extreme Rules kickoff panel this Sunday, uh, it'll be on the WWE Network starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. As always, it'll also be on WWE's YouTube channel and uh, all their social media. Uh, and it would mean a lot to me if all of you would watch and tweet and talk about how much you like it, if you like it. But I will be there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the pay-per-view and to get to be a part of that kickoff panel. I, it, it, it's mind-blowing. They're all a dream come true, so I can't wait. Um, and I'll tell you this. I stay happy. Because not only do I know I'm going to look smooth, I know I'm going to look smooth thanks to people who help support Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. So I want to give a big thank you to Dollar Shave Club. And let me tell you about Dollar Shave Club because you might want them supporting you too. Dollar Shave Club. We're, we're going to give you the opportunity to get the Dr. Carver's shave butter. We're going to get you a deluxe ultimate razor with a handle and everything. Look, I don't like doing things, especially now that I have a kid. I don't like leaving the house. When I do leave the house, I don't like thinking that I got ripped off. So here's what happens. Razors, not something I worry about anymore. I don't worry about them in terms of how much they cost. I don't worry about them in terms of am I going to run out. I don't even have to worry about them. My least favorite part is finding somebody at the drugstore to unlock the deal so that I can get some razor cartridges and bring them to the cash register and wait for that person to blah, 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 blah. Now, they just show up at my door. Why? Because I've made the smarter choice with Dollar Shave Club. Forget about spending a whole bunch of money. Forget about having to go to the drugstore. Forget about any of it. Don't even, you don't don't have to worry about anything. 
you get your Dollar Shave Club Executive Razor with Dr. Carver's Shave Butter, and the blade uh, just gently glides, giving you such a smooth shave. You're paying for a cheap shave. That's how much it costs. But what you're getting is an ultimate shave. You're getting a deluxe executive shave for the price of nothing. It's incredible. You too can make this smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members, which is you, are going to get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver shave butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. It's a $15 value, and it's 5 bucks. Look, just try it out. See if you like it. Five bucks. What have you got to lose? Uh, in your first month box, you're going to get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter I keep talking about, which is excellent. After your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price, uh, which is an amazing deal at any price. No hidden fees, no commitments, no nothing. You can cancel anytime you want. I know some of you are trying this out. Some of you are having trouble with the link. All you have to do to get this offer exclusively at Dollar Shave Club is go to dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. If you want this deal, the whole enchilada for five bucks, you got to go to dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam. Okay? There's a lot to get into with wrestling this week. Uh, not just with WWE, and I feel like the... The news kind of kicked in almost immediately after uh, uh, my podcast ended last week. So we'll get into all of it, including what I forgot to mention last week on The State of Wrestling, this week on, well, The State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. So, I do want to start out by apologizing for not mentioning the DIY breakup from NXT TakeOver last week. Uh, it was mind-blowing. I, I thought it was really well done. And I've got, I, since then, I've gone back and looked online at stuff of, like, you can see Johnny Gargano reaching for Ciampa, like, throughout the match at different times and how he reaches for him at the end. Storytelling is storytelling is storytelling, and that, to me, will always be one of, if not the most important elements in this world of of sports entertainment, of wrestling. It puts the entertainment in sports entertainment is this storytelling. And, you know, I think that right away you realize that that, that thing, the way that the last TakeOver show ended, first that they were, they, they could close. That's how strongly they felt about this angle, that they closed on that tag championship match that's balls that's a ballsy move and it paid off big because now when hopefully one would assume that Gargano and Chiapa are going to get that grudge match going at TakeOver Brooklyn and you've got to assume that if that does happen in Brooklyn it's going to be enough like the anticipation for it is going to be enough that the roof is going to get blown off that building metaphorically speaking of course there's no way that anticipation itself could remove a building from an a, a roof from an arena it's ridiculous but that said i can't wait to see it i can't wait to see how it plays out i think it's going to be told really well on tv and it's you know it, it, it's the way it's that long play storytelling that nxt can afford to do People can wax philosophical about it. I don't think you can pull that off on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown anymore. 
You've got a main roster pay-per-view every two weeks from one brand or the other, and, and it just moves quicker. Time moves quicker on the main roster. It just is what it is. It's the world that we live in. WWE reflects the culture that we live in, not the other way around. So the fact that we live in a short attention span world means that we can't do those you know, build over a year things. The closest thing we could get to was the Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens thing that was really, really well done. So we can do that, however, when it's something like NXT where it's only an hour a week of television. A lot of it's pre-taped and and people will kind of put up with that. Look, if if NXT were put in the position that Raw would be in, it would probably be far more scrutinized. And the ratings probably wouldn't be that great because it's not, there's not even, no matter how low the ratings get for Raw, and they have gotten low, but no matter how low those ratings get, it's still, you know, many, 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 many more people than are watching NXT. Raw being on USA becomes not only a wrestling show, but a commercial for everything WWE has to offer. The hope being that somebody stumbles onto to that show, whether it be Raw or SmackDown, and be like, oh, I like this. What else is going on? Let me check out that network. Let me check out a live show. Let me buy a t-shirt. Whatever it is that's being sold, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown act as a commercial for it. A show like NXT, maybe to some extent, but you've already got your captive audience watching NXT. They're already subscribed to the network if they're watching NXT in America. Uh, so I think that that's important to note. Also important to note is congratulations to X-Pac. X-Pac, uh, I think a week ago at the time of this podcast being released, uh, right after last week's episode was released, it was uh, found out that the case against him was dropped. If you uh, And I, you say congratulations, but I think that anybody, I would hope at this point that people have learned a lesson about giving people the benefit of a doubt because... If you go back and listen to him, he came on this show and explained exactly what happened with his arrest earlier in the month. And there were still people, if you listen to it, to me, I felt like he was being uh, a genuine. And I said that. I said as much. I trusted him, and I went on the record of saying, look, I'm on your side. Thank you for coming on the show, blah, blah, blah. And I believe what you're saying. Some people still did not believe him. And hopefully that message has kind of gotten through to them. It's weird. I got plenty of people on Twitter when the X-Pac interview came out telling me that, you know, X-Pac was full of it and I was believing an addict and this and that, but I haven't gotten a lot of apologies from those people since uh, since the news came out that the state of California dropped the case entirely against X-Pac. So we'll see. Uh, there is, he did tell TMZ that he may still have to do a little bit of time in jail, but that goes back to the DUI charge that he also talked about here on the show. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't, because he talked about uh, the DUI charge in Pennsylvania that wasn't fully whatever taken care of, uh, and he may have to deal with that. We don't know for sure, but congratulations to X-Pac, and I'm really glad that the truth of the matter came out. Uh, let's talk about Raw. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. SmackDown had some stuff going on, but you know what? There's going to be a few notes in the beginning of this that we just heard. There'll be a few notes on SmackDown and everything at the end. Monday Night Raw, to me, is the big conversation to have, and one of those reasons is because this was a go-home show. You've got Extreme Rules coming up, where you've got uh, Dean Ambrose versus The Miz for the Intercontinental title. 
I'm glad that there. I think that the stipulation of if Dean Ambrose gets disqualified, he loses the Intercontinental title, is the one thing that maintains interest in this match. We've just seen it over and over and over again. And like I said a couple weeks ago, I think that the story between these two has been told better on Raw than it was on SmackDown in the last few weeks. But I do think that uh, uh, that this stipulation was necessary. And I like the idea that The Miz, at Extreme Rules, The Miz just the most annoying character on the show he's the one guy who's in a match at extreme rules where the punishment for breaking the rules is even more severe again this character is not giving the fans what they want because he's more obsessed with winning i think it, that this this stipulation works for the miz and it does add interest to the match uh i feel the same about the the cage match stipulation between the Hardy Boys and Sheamus and Cesaro. It feels like a match we've already seen, but the fact that it's a cage match, you're seeing the Hardys in a cage match, that's exciting. And where we left it on Raw, um, you know, it could go it could go to Sheamus and Cesaro. The Hardys have been on a, on a win streak completely since coming to WWE. You know, a lot of people talk about 50-50 booking and the idea that a lot of these guys end up losing as often as they win that hasn't happened to the Hardys. The Hardys have been winning, winning, winning. All they do is win, 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 no matter what. Well, we'll see what happens when there's a cage around the ring. But that'll be interesting to see. I still kind of feel like the Hardys are going to win the match because um, I kind of think The Miz is going to win his match. And it, it's hard for me to believe that the Hardys and Dean Ambrose are both going to lose their titles. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm willing to be wrong. Um, the Fatal 5-Way match, I, we'll talk real quick about uh, the uh, the 205 Live match, the Cruiserweight match, it does go along with what I've said needs to happen. So I like Sasha Banks' incorporation into 205 Live in the sense that it is bringing Cruiserweights into main roster storylines and shining that spotlight on them. Unfortunately, because of the way it's being done, it still feels like Sasha Banks is poking her nose into 205 Live business. It still feels very, very separate from the main roster. It almost feels like Sasha has stepped away from the main roster to see what the Purple Rope guys are doing. And that's the problem with the Cruiserweights, is that they're known as the Purple Rope guys, at least in my head. I don't know if anybody has ever actually referred to Noam Dar as a Purple Rope guy, but I think that Noam Dar, Noam Dar has a lot to offer. I think uh, uh, Drew Gulak has a lot to offer. I think a lot of these guys, uh, Brian Kendrick, has egads upon egads to offer. Rich Swan is like my favorite wrestler. But as long as they're purple rope guys, you know, they, they, they're only going to be so much. And that show has such a stigma against it right now. I don't think anybody's interested. You know, you see those purple ropes, and it's like, you know, Diddy coming out to perform at WrestleMania. It means, let's go to the bathroom. Oh, good, I can check out the merch stands. Oh, good, I can get another beer. Like... To me, the purple rope means it's time to walk the dog. So, and I don't, I don't blame the, uh, I don't blame the athletes. I don't blame the superstars. I just think the way that the 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 two hundred five live guys are being shown, it's conditioning us as fans to know that okay, the purple ropes are up. It's a bonus. Purple ropes are bonus features. Some of them are great. I buy DVDs and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to listen to this commentary. But you know what happens inevitably. I don't get to the commentary. 
I don't even like buying movies on iTunes unless it's got iTunes extras. If it's got iTunes extras, then I'm like, yes, this is a great value. Oh, good, a commentary track. Oh, good, a documentary. Oh, good, a featurette. But half the time, I don't click into iTunes extras. There's too much stuff streaming. I just watch the main show. 205 Live, guys, the cruiserweights are presented like they're the uh, bonus features. And not everybody's got time for bonus features. Some people just want to watch our feature presentation. Not everybody shows up at the movie theater thinking, oh, I got to get there early because I want to get my seat. And my favorite part is the coming attractions. Nope. There's a lot of people who show up at the movies going, okay, it says it starts at 7.30. As long as I'm there by 7.45, it won't be a problem. I just miss some of the trailers. It's not that they don't like the trailers. It's that what I'm paying for is the feature attraction. So as long as, long as when I sit down, I don't miss Vin Diesel racing his car around in circles for three hours, then I'll be fine. The stuff before the racing the car around, I, I don't need to see. I will. I don't need to see it. I just don't want to miss any of Vin Diesel. And and that's the difference. Raw is is Fast and the Furious 8. Cruiserweights are the cool coming attractions. And you're like, oh, cool. I'm going to get to see 90 seconds of the new Superman movie. Or not. Or not. You know, if I don't see it, that's fine. Because, you know, I heard Charlize Theron jumps out of a plane or something in this movie. So I got to see that part. That's if you If you feature something as if it's other... Whether it's like, oh, this is a bonus, this is extra, this is exclusive, that's all well and good, but it's always going to be an accessory. And we don't have to all have time for uh, accessories. So let's talk about what was good on Raw. The lead-up to the Fatal Five-Way on uh, Monday Night Raw this week involved a triple threat between Samoa Joe, Bray Wyatt, and Finn Balor, and a one-on-one match between Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. Both of those matches were fantastic. Uh, the triple threat match I thought was really great, and I didn't think much of the Roman Reigns-Seth Rollins match uh, beforehand. I didn't think it was going... I thought it was going to be like, okay, this will be cool, you know, I like those guys, whatever, two big stars in the ring. What I saw blew me away. I had to tweet about it at the end of it. I, the, what ended up turning out from that match was excellent. If it was in the Tokyo Dome, six stars. It was those guys did great and you know and and when i tweeted about it it was really really interesting i want you guys to go back because there is a like it's i don't mind if you guys don't like roman reigns it's okay to not like roman reigns i'm not against not liking roman reigns there are times when he comes out that i'm watching it and i'm like why would roman reigns do that i uh, look at roman reigns as one of these guys so i was talking about marty scurll earlier roman reigns is a guy with just egads and egads of potential i see it I see what is seen in him, and so when it's not done right, I trust me, I get frustrated too. I'm like, why is that? What? Why would Roman Reigns do that? And there are times when it's like, okay, Roman Reigns is going to be in the main event. I don't have any faith that it's going to be done right. Trust me, I get all that sentiment. But you can't develop a prejudice against the guy, against Roman himself. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, that was great. First set of tweets are like, Stop being a shill, Sam. Which, by the way, if you think I am a shill, buy the Shill Roberts Shill t-shirt. Available at notsam.com slash merch right now. Shill Roberts Shill at notsam.com slash M-E-R-C-H merch. But they're going, why are you shilling? We don't want to see Roman Reigns. We don't want to see Roman Reigns win. Okay. Got it. Fine. 
But did you like the match? Can you honestly tell me that you didn't want to see that match? You wish that you hadn't seen that match? I don't think so, because it was great. It was a really good match. Second thing, I and I get, okay, I wanted Seth Rollins to win. Okay, well, that, all right, fine. But, you know, what? well, I don't know why, why Seth had to lose clean. Well, I, do you think that maybe he had to lose clean because he's going to win at the pay-per-view? I think so. That's my opinion on the thing. I think Seth Rollins is winning the Fatal Five-Way at Extreme Rules. If you want to know the truth, here's why. I think Roman Reigns is the guy that everybody, every match that Roman Reigns in, half the audience is going to go, well, of course Roman Reigns is going to win. Finn Balor is the guy, well, of course Roman is going to win, but I wish Finn Balor would win. Because we've been conditioned to think that Finn Balor is going to win. That's the way the story has been told. Finn Balor, for the most part, has been separated from the pack. Even though he's got this unsettled thing with Bray Wyatt, and he's got this, and he's got that, he has been separated from the pack. Paul Heyman specifically talked about Finn Balor, not anybody else. That is to make us think, oh, a Finn Balor-Brock Lesnar match would be great, which is why I think it's not going to happen at the July pay-per-view. Uh, I don't think it'll be Bray Wyatt. I think the Samoa Joe thing will happen. I don't think it'll happen yet. It could. I think it'll either be Samoa Joe or Seth Rollins winning this Fatal 5-Way match. One of those two is going to win. My money's on Seth Rollins. If I had to bet on one of them, it would be Seth Rollins. Because I think going forward, I would have, as I said before, Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns until Braun Strowman comes back. Um... Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar is a cool match for the July pay-per-view. Then you move in to finally having your Bray Wyatt-Finn Balor match, which is a lead-in for the SummerSlam match. The SummerSlam match, to me, is Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar. So that's the way I see it going. So I'm not even upset at the idea of Roman Reigns beating Seth Rollins clean. Crazy things happen. Dolph Ziggler beat AJ Styles clean this week. Crazy things happen in this world. But a huge criticism I got on Roman Reigns' part was that he didn't sell. Yeah, he took that move that ended Sting's career and put Finn Balor on the shelf for six months, and he didn't even sell it. First of all, if that exact same exchange had happened on an indie show or on a Japan show, no, it wouldn't be. A, it would be something that old people criticized, right? It would be something that Rip Rogers was on Twitter criticizing, but not us. Not the fans. We'd be like, yeah, that was dope. What happened? Vader would be criticizing it. But we wouldn't be criticizing it. And he did sell it. I don't know why it was getting that from multiple people. Roman did sell it. It was that classic thing of he had one burst of adrenaline left in him. And he hit him with the Superman punch. But what happened after the Superman punch? Did he jump up and cover Seth Rollins? No. He lied unconscious. Why was he unconscious on the mat? Why does he lie down? Why didn't he go and cover Seth Rollins? Because he had just gotten buckled bombed. And it hurts to get buckle bombed. So that's what happened. You know, and that was clear to me. I didn't for a second be like, oh, why isn't he selling that buckle bomb more? Well, he did. He was just able to squeeze out a Superman punch. And it wasn't even the greatest Superman punch in the world because it didn't end the match. So, I thought Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns was great, and it has nothing to do with uh, who I'm working for, but you can believe what you can believe. Um, 
Before we move on to This Is Your Life, Bailey, uh, I, I want to go back to the 205 Live thing for a second. Kalisto should be the bridge. Kalisto should be the main roster 205 Live. Bri- he should he should bridge the gap between the two rosters because Kalisto, we as an audience have been taught, is a main roster guy. So if you've got Kalisto, I know it came up, some people suggested Enzo for the 205 Live thing. Anybody that's on that main roster that is under 205 pounds should also be on 205 Live. That's it. It's just an immediate help. Now let's talk about, um, oh, oh, so the good things. Speaking of Enzo, Enzo getting jumped is awesome. You know, I thought that the, the cast thing with Corey Graves was really awkward, but not necessarily awkward in a bad way. It was awkward in like a, what did we just watch? And I think that was the reaction that we wanted to have. Like, what did, what was that? Well, I don't know. Maybe in the coming weeks we'll find out. I love that there's mysteries on the show. I love that there's whodunits. That's been missing for a long time, this idea that like, oh, I don't know who did it. That, that's what you're going to tune in next week to find out. There needs to be ongoing storylines not like this, not just grudges, you know, not just uh, uh, grudges that need to be settled. But, hey, who did this? Hey, what's this thing? Like Corey Graves leaving the commentary booth to go and talk to Kurt Angle about something. And what was he talking to Kurt Angle about? Kurt Angle seemed really genuinely distraught by it. And I, as a fan, have no idea what they were talking about. Somebody, I got a tweet just today, just before I started uh, uh, recording this, at Not Sam, that somebody suggested that the thing that Corey Graves was going to talk to Kurt Angle about, um, that Kurt Angle was like, oh, this will ruin me. Um, I'm looking for the, uh, the the tweet that I got right now because I thought it was uh, at least interesting enough to bring up. But it was uh, that Corey Graves took out Enzo on the orders of Kurt Angle. So Corey Graves is coming to Kurt saying, hey, I took out Enzo on your orders and this text shows that somebody knows that that's what was happening and that's why Kurt Angle flipped out. I hope that that's not it because it makes no sense because Corey Graves can't wrestle. So if Corey Graves can't wrestle, then I don't think he should really be involved in anything. You know, I, I mean, the idea that he was jumping Enzo is not good because there, there can never be a physical payoff to it. Uh, but I am really anxious to find out what that text was all about. And I think that, uh, I think and hope that we actually will, <laughs> that it won't just fall by the wayside um, like other things are, like, like happens to other things sometimes. Um, but those two things I think are both good. Because they're both ongoing stories, they're both compelling. We're not, as fans, not quite sure where they lead, but but the world is our oyster in terms of those two storylines. Um, I had a lot of respect for the WWE universe, the way they were booing Mrs. Flapper during the "This Is Your Life" segment. The Bailey "This Is Your Life" segment. Um, at first, they were booing Mrs. Flapper. By the way. When when Mankind did the, hey, Rock, this is your life segment, and they brought out the Rock's teacher or his girlfriend or whatever, they were booing them too. And it was one of the greatest segments of all time. Like, wrestling fans are going to boo non-wrestlers. It happens, and I love it. It's fun. It's fun to watch. The this is your life Bailey segment was not fun to watch. 
it was uh, awkward, cringy at times, uh, and I felt I felt bad for I didn't feel bad for any of the actors involved. I felt bad for Alexa Bliss, and I felt bad for Bailey. Like even the ending of it, if you're pushing, ba- if somebody comes out there and is literally making a mockery of my entire life, is bringing things to the table that are either fake or real trophies, participation awards, talking about my dad being in school with me, talking about, you know, not being extreme enough to ever do anything. When I finally come out to interrupt Alexa Bliss, if I'm Bailey, I need to be in such a rage. Bailey should have come out there with weapons in hand. Bailey at that moment should have like looked to injure Alexa Bliss. Should have looked to end her. This is not something like, oh, you know, oh, if I could just get my hands on you, but wait till Sunday. You, oh, I'm going to get you for this on Sunday. Like, no, you've crossed the line. You spent the last 15 minutes on television just embarrassing me. Maybe you're embarrassing yourself a little bit, but, you know, doing something with the sole purpose of, of embarrassing me, Bailey should have walked out there with a weapon in hand and gotten extreme because to me, at the end of the segment, Bailey can't get extreme. Bailey didn't get extreme. There was nothing extreme about Bailey before, during, or after that segment. And it made me feel like, oh, I guess Alexa Bliss was right, even though she's the bad guy. And we probably shouldn't be feeling that way at this moment. All of that could have gotten done fine. And I hope, this is, by the way, I mean, for everybody that says well, we shouldn't be scripting talent. Some talent works better when they're scripted. You know, not everybody can just go out there and deliver this is your life rock the way Mick Foley did years ago, the way The Rock did years ago. Those were performers that were conditioned. I mean, The Rock was so good at that segment that he is now one of the top actors in Hollywood and considering a run for president. Like, that is an unrealistic scale. If people are going to go out there and do 15 minutes of talking on live television, then they probably do need people to help them with stuff. I don't think that that's a problem. I think segments like This Is Your Life, Bailey, should be scripted. But they've got to be scripted well. And, and I hope that this is a lesson to everybody involved that the same thing could have gotten accomplished. Like, okay, there is not this feeling of hiding people's weaknesses and displaying their strengths. It's like, on paper, the segment makes sense, but we're not really thinking about the performers involved. And, like, I love Bailey, and I think she's good, and Alexa Bliss has, like, it seems like she gets better every single week. But they have skill sets, right? And those skill sets should be put on display, Alexa Bliss is really, really good at being a mean girl. But you put her out there. She's young as it is. We already know. I know from watching the show. She is going to be confronted with the what chance. Right? And so there's already this one thing. And and if you're watching it, and I I know this because when I've interviewed Stone Cold Steve Austin, we've talked about the what chance. And he says the way to combat the what chance is to change your cadence. That the reason that people get what chance is because when they do promos... They talk like this, and they leave these pauses where everybody can yell what. And so, and, and if you watch these promos, 
Alexa Bliss will acknowledge the chant and then change her speech cadence to avoid not give them those gaps to jump in. But if you have to think about that and think about carrying this segment with props, with actors that are inexperienced in this world of pro wrestling, right? Because I don't care what you've done before. I don't care if you're an improv performer. I don't care if you're a movie star. I don't care if you're an actor. Like, like professional wrestling is something very different from anything else. So as the one superstar, WWE superstar in that ring, you've also got to carry that talent through the segment. So now Alexa Bliss has to worry about her dialogue, selling this pay-per-view match, selling herself as a character, using the props, carrying these actors through this segment, which who knows how much confidence she has in, because at some point, these two people, whether they're actually from Bailey's past or not, like as a character, we also don't know if Alexa Bliss just was bringing in random people or she actually had people that were from Bailey's life. Like was that odd makeout session that happened at the end of that? Did Bailey have an emotional reaction to that or did she not care? You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if Alexa Bliss, the character, brought in actors or actually, you know, in character world, went into Bailey's past and was legitimate about the whole thing. I don't know. It wasn't clarified for me. But Alexa, but then Bailey comes out and Bailey's strong suit is being happy-go-lucky Bailey. Bailey's strong suit is, is, is coming across as relatable and as genuine as a fan like us. Bailey's character works as a person who could be in the audience with us. Bailey is a representative of the WWE universe. She is the girl that is living out her dream. And it's the same dream that all of us have on some level and had on every level when we were kids. That's Bailey's strong suit. That's why her character works. That's why it worked in NXT. And then she gets in the ring and she does this match that nobody thought she had in her. Like that's where this thing works. That she's just this goofy kid living out a dream and then she can do a reverse Hurricane Rana off the top rope. Like, that's Bailey, and that's the side of Bailey you want to put out there. Alexa Bliss is like an artist at being a mean girl. She's the best because she's gorgeous. She's athletic. She's a natural at this, right? She is the mean girl. She's the girl other girls would be jealous of in school and would have their feelings hurt when she mistreated them. That's the Alexa Bliss character, and it works. It's perfect. If you had taken that segment, this match, you as a fan would have been so much more excited for the kendo stick on a pole match, which, you know, go go on YouTube and search Sam Roberts and Bailey. I said the Bailey could be involved in the first female kendo stick match. You know, I said it as a joke, but theoretically this is history. Right, the idea that two women are wrestling in a kendo stick match is has historical context to it, and that can be that can be talked about, that can be played upon. But I believe that the audience would be so much more excited about this match if the "This Is Your Life" fifteen-minute live television segment had been three, three to five-minute pre-tapes where Alexa Bliss goes to Bailey's school from when she was a kid and talks to the teacher at the school. 
and Alexa Bliss goes to Bailey's friend's house and talks to Bailey's friend in her house. And it's three to five minutes, and it's pre-taped spots, and it's Alexa Bliss in Bailey's hometown, and it's something that you have to pre-tape, you know, a day or two before Raw. But then you have full control of the timing of it. You can you can do multiple spots throughout the show. You can now do three short segments throughout the show. So you can hit one every hour. You can put two in the second and one in the third, you know, and then maybe Alexa Bliss comes out to do an in-ring promo, and that's when Bailey gets her because she's had enough of watching this. It also makes sense to why Bailey wouldn't have interrupted that thing much earlier. Because if it's pre-taped, how is how is Bailey would need Bray Wyatt powers to interrupt something that's pre-taped? And Bailey doesn't have Bray Wyatt powers. But, you know, it's one of those lessons. And I hope that that's the way it's presented going forward just because I think it's better storytelling. Same thing I was saying about, you know, these things happen. When I was talking about, you know, the, the, the Ring of Honor thing a couple weeks ago, the way they showed uh, Marty Skrull joining the Bullet Club, it's like, it's this moment to say like, okay, we have to be honest with ourselves and say that didn't work. Here's why. Here's how we can do it better. Because the Bailey Alexa Bliss, this is your life segment as an idea can work. And we, we can do that. And and I think it's a good idea. You know, I, I think it's a, it makes it more personal between Bailey and Alexa Bliss. But pre-tape it. You know, and 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 it and it adds variety to the show. It adds some scenery. There's not enough stuff going on pre-taped on the show anyway. Throw throw these people in different locations. Make it a variety show. That's the way. That's the way. And again, this is this is complete Monday morning quarterbacking. Who knows if if presented with the idea, I would have had the forethought to say, "Hey, what if we did this pre-tape?" But going forward. If an idea like this comes up again, it's going to be something that's in my mind. Hey, why, why, why wouldn't you pre-tape something like that and divide it up into multiple segments? And then you can even get Bailey's reaction after each segment. First segment airs. It's it's Bailey and I mean it's Alexa Bliss and this guy, her her ex boyfriend or whatever. And Alexa Bliss goes, oh, where's Bailey? Where's it? And, and Bailey goes, oh, where's Alexa Bliss? She's looking in the locker room for her. Can't find her. You know, 45 minutes later, another segment airs. It's Bailey and this teacher. Bailey's looking for Alexa Bliss. Ah, oh, I can't find her. 45 minutes again later, a third segment airs. It's Bailey's friend with Alexa Bliss in Bailey's friend's house. And Bailey's friend now lives with Alexa, with, with, with Bailey's first boyfriend. And then we see them make, you want to make, have them make out, make, have them make out. But they live together now. They're on the couch together. And Bailey didn't even know. And you probably don't throw in a shot at Bailey for being like, Bailey's not cool because in high school she watched wrestling. It's like, wait, that's what we all did. That's what I did. I'm glad I did it. <laughs> but And maybe that was the point that like Alexa Bliss was saying that Bailey's not cool because she watched wrestling instead of hanging out with her friends. And we were we all jump on Bailey's side because that's what we all did. you know. So I, that, that may have been the intention there, which may be okay. But, but, you know. You've got a way to do it, and you know, I think the execution uh, could have used a little work uh, uh, there. And hopefully, going forward, uh, hopefully going forward, it comes out uh, and 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 it helps to make better TV because there is good TV buried in there. It's there, it's there. All you got to do is find it. Um, 
SmackDown uh, was good. You know, I think that, uh, uh, I don't know. For the first time, the fashion police brought the a lot of the antics of the fashion files into the ring. My gut is that it's, it's better to have those pre-tapes and then not do the costumes during the matches because, like, you're never going to... You know, I'd say you're never going to be taken seriously, but you could say the same thing about New Day, and they are the longest-running tag team champions of all time. So I guess the jury's still out. I'm willing to give it a couple weeks before I say that, you know, because the pre-tapes are always good. The vignettes are great. So, yeah, just something worth noting. Um, The hometown curse blew me away. The idea that AJ lost clean to Dolph Ziggler, that blew me away. Uh, The big news coming out of SmackDown, though, was the women's Money in the Bank match. And hear me out on this. If I'm the one making decisions, and I'm not, but if I am the one making decisions, James Ellsworth leaves St. Louis with the women's Money in the Bank briefcase. Hear me out. Already got some criticism on it because I kind of hinted towards this on Twitter, but Twitter's 140 characters. I wasn't able to get into my whole idea for James Ellsworth. Um... The thing about it is people are upset because, well, that's history. It's the it's the historic first ever women's money in the bank match. And if it's not taken seriously and there's not a serious winner, then that's not right. It, it besmirches everything that was going on. You're like, okay, well, one would assume, you know, who wins the, who wins the women's money in the bank match? It's not going to be Charlotte. Because Charlotte, the briefcase does nothing for Charlotte. Charlotte, at any moment, can challenge for and win the SmackDown Women's title. That's kind of a given. Charlotte is the ultimate female competitor superstar in WWE. So it, it wouldn't be Charlotte winning. Um, I don't think that uh, 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 Becky Lynch would win because Becky Lynch is too much of a good guy. Uh, and too much of an underdog, and I don't know if you're an underdog, if you've got the briefcase, you got a title shot whenever you want it. Uh, I would, my gut would say that uh, Natty would walk out with the Money in the Bank briefcase, um, it, just because it would complement her character more than any of the other women. That said, I think it is important, historically. And here's the thing. It's not always just about the result of the match, Right? It's not always just about who won. So what if these women have a five-star ladder match? It's all the women in WWE. I don't think I'd call up anybody from NXT just yet for this one. But it's all the SmackDown women. Tamina's in there. Everybody's in there, right? And they pull off a five-star match. And at the end of it, James Ellsworth grabs the briefcase. Now, I don't think that that happening kills the match for posterity, I don't think it destroys the history of the match because I don't think anybody's going to be concentrating on who won and who lost the match. Quite frankly, I think people are going to talk about the Charlotte-Sasha Banks-Hell in a Cell match for a long time, and the ending was wonky. But but that's, what, that's, that's, that's a, a moment in the match. The match is a bigger thing. You know, I mean, that was Mick Foley's point when he says that he doesn't like when people talk about his Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker as being the best match that he's had because it wasn't. It was a couple of moments. Those are the best moments in terms of uh, moments that we remember, but they certainly didn't display his skill and it wasn't his best match. Like that, like uh, McFoley's best match was the Shawn Michaels 
uh, mind games match. The 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 the, the Shawn Michaels Mankind mind games match. That match was Mick Foley's best match. And does anybody remember exactly how Shawn Michaels won? Not really. Not really. You know why? Because it's the match that you remember. So I think you can have a memorable historic match and still have a crazy fun wrestling end to the match. And here's why I think it would be good. It's not because, you know, let's make fun of James Ellsworth and now he has to wrestle women. I'm not going an Andy Kaufman route as far as this thing goes. But the question has been out there for months now. What is the deal with Carmella and James Ellsworth? The implication is that Carmella is using James Ellsworth. But it's never been made clear what Carmella is using James Ellsworth for. What benefit does it? Is it just somebody to stroke her ego? That's possible. There's some women who like that. Some men who like that. Some people enjoy having a partner around that is beneath them but just strokes their ego. Is she actually attracted to him? I don't know. Never really been made clear. The fact that um, she won't take him out of that friend zone would lead me to believe that it's not that, that it's not that she's attracted to him as a character, you know. Um, But if James Ellsworth has the women's Money in the Bank briefcase, well, now all of a sudden... He's going to have many female suitors knocking on his door because the idea is that James Ellsworth is going to be able to hand that briefcase to whoever he wants to, whatever lady he wants to. He's going to be able to hand her the briefcase and she's going to get the title shot. Carmella now has to make sure that Ellsworth doesn't find love elsewhere because he's taking the briefcase with him. It's like having a rich boyfriend. You know what I mean? Like you might not be in love with him. It's like if you marry an old man, right? You marry a, or a person. I don't care what gender you are. You marry an elderly person. I'm talking 90, 95 years old. This person is wealthy, okay? If you're being honest with yourself, are you attracted to them physically? Maybe not as much as you let on. But you got to keep that marriage alive. Until they croak, otherwise, none of that inheritance money is coming your way. Well, now, for the next 365 days, she has to keep Ellsworth happy now. Ellsworth now has options. What if Tamina starts winking at James Ellsworth? Because James has the briefcase. She wants him over. What if Natty starts winking at James Ellsworth? Whoever, whatever, whatever uh, uh, superstar comes over from Raw, what if there's another superstar shakeup? You know? There, 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 theoretically, there would be, in under a year, there would be two weeks after WrestleMania, right? If the briefcase hasn't been cashed in yet, it's still in play. Ellsworth wouldn't cash the briefcase in and wrestle women. Because the one thing you don't want to do is disrespect the women's championship. The idea of James Ellsworth holding the women's championship no offense to Hornswoggle, is like Hornswoggle holding the Cruiserweight Championship, which inevitably kind of destroys the title. It's like when Gilbert held the Light Heavyweight Championship. Inevitably, it kind of destroys the title. So you don't want James Ellsworth in the conversation for being the SmackDown Women's Champion himself. The idea would be, 
And 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 I don't think that they want to touch on anything. It could be funny. Yeah, it is 2017. They could flirt with the idea of maybe James Ellsworth identifying as female. I'm not against it. But they probably don't want to go, you know, that's a pretty politically heavy topic that I don't think the WWE of 2017 wants to tackle, which is fine. So instead say, okay, James Ellsworth is going to cash in that briefcase for one of the female superstars on SmackDown, whomever he chooses. And guess what? Carmella might think it's her, but now there's a whole argument and James Ellsworth just became the hottest dude in the SmackDown locker room. Boom. I think it's a great idea. Let me know what you think. You can tweet me at NotSam. Um, but I'm excited to see it. I'm excited for Extreme Rules. Don't forget I'll be a part of the kickoff show uh, panel with Renee Young. Uh, you can watch it on the WWE Network starting at 7 p.m. You can also watch it on the WWE YouTube channel uh, and Twitter and all that stuff and Facebook. It's going to be really, really good. I think it's going to be a good pay-per-view. I think it's going to be one of those shows that maybe people uh, don't realize how good it's going to be. It's loaded. You know, it it is loaded. You got a you got Alexa Bliss versus Bailey in the Kendo Stick on a Pole match. Take out the segment from Raw and realize that both of those women have the ability to put on an amazing match. That match could be great, and I think that people are kind of disappointed in the "This Is Your Life" segment. So they're assuming that the match is not going to be very good, which I think is unfair. I think it will be a good match. Uh, I think the Fatal Five Way is going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. I think the Fatal Five Way is going to be. You remember uh, last year at Survivor Series, especially the main event, the five on five main event that lasted like over an hour, and it was uh, amazing. I think that that's what you're going to be looking at with this Fatal Five Way. You know, you've got five of the best wrestlers in the world competing. I think that the Fatal Five Way match is going to be really, really amazing. It's going to blow people away. I personally believe that it will. And you can call me a shill until Sunday. And then when it actually happens, the same number of people that apologized for X-Pac will apologize for that. So instead, just buy a Shill Roberts Shill t-shirt at notsam.com slash merch. Shill Roberts Shill at notsam.com slash merch. And we'll see you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. I was hoping you'd still be there because I want to tell you that there's a way to get a great shave at a great price, and that's Join Dollar Shave Club. Hey, new members are going to get their first month of the executive, executive razor and a tube of Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are only a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Sam.